0: Not to be a disciple of Jesus means to be a disciple of the powers of darkness and to be a servant of the world. And to be a servant of the world and of sin costs incalculably more than to be a disciple of Jesus. You think it's tough to be a disciple of Jesus? Go ahead and stay as a disciple of sin. There is hell to pay. Not only. Will it squeeze the very life out of you as you seek to follow down these dead-end streets? But eventually, you will spend all of eternity in darkness and in lostness.
1: Today on the Songtime broadcast, we'll continue our study with Alistair Begg as we're looking at Luke chapter 14 and Jesus' teaching about the cost of discipleship, which seems pretty high until you consider the alternative. Stay tuned for that message, but first we're joined once again by Greg Gilbert as we're talking about how to read the Bible and understanding the themes from the Old Testament that are also in the New Testament. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. One of the main themes in the Gospel of Luke is that Jesus is using the the Old Testament, the Law and the Prophets, to point to him as the Messiah. Now, they had prophecies and, and even Jesus' early disciples had ideas of what their Messiah was going to be like and their, their longing for the Christ. But Jesus is explaining that those texts in the in the Old Testament were actually talking about him doing a completely different ministry than what they were anticipating. And we're so grateful for that ministry because it gives us some insight from the New Testament on how to actually read the Old Testament and see the same themes that are there. But it might be difficult for you to read through the Old Testament and see them for yourself. You're not alone. Even the disciples and many of the Pharisees of Jesus' day miss the point as well. That's why we have some great resources to help us. And one of those resources is Greg Gilbert's book. It's called The Epic Story of the Bible, How to Read, and understand God's Word. And Greg joins us. He's been our guest this week. Uh, When we look at these themes that are throughout the Bible, and one of the things I think helps bring the Old Testament and the New Testament together is the theme of sacrifice. You write about this in the book, Greg, and explain to our listeners how this theme of sacrifice in the Old Testament seems so different than what we understand in the New Testament, that Christ is a sacrifice, that people weren't actually saved by their sacrifices in the Old Testament because you can't... you can't pay for the sins of man through the sins of an animal, but yet those two themes are still tied together.
2: Oh, it is, yeah, because as you as you read through uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and you know, the Pentateuch, you'll see that God is in various ways preparing his people for uh, the suffering servant to, to die in their place. So, you know, like Exodus 17, for instance, he teaches them that... Uh, sacrifice the set the ultimate sacrifice the one who takes the punishment for his people's sins will be god himself now it's kind of hidden under there but it's the story where uh moses is told to strike the rock so that water slash life can come out and the little detail in there uh that we tend to read over way too fast is that when moses strikes the rock god has already said i will be there on the rock so so the rod of judgment is coming down on god and the result is that life comes out which then explains why in 1 Corinthians 10 Paul can refer to Christ as the rock that was with them in the wilderness he's he's making that connection in 1 Corinthians 10 and seeing that it was it was God who was struck for his people's salvation and that's Jesus you know so yeah it, it's so deep and so wonderful and 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 it's again it's it's just worth doing the work to see those themes and fall in love with them uh, and know your Bible better.
1: Now, one of the things that I've I've come up against in teaching the Bible is that people kind of are rebuffed by the Old Testament. It seems so harsh. It seems like a yeah. completely different God, and it yeah. seems like a completely different character than the, the Jesus we're so familiar with in the Gospels, or at least the the Sunday school version of the Jesus we're familiar with in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you're talking about sacrifice, it really does tie the deeper meanings of the Old Testament to the New Testament of what Christ actually accomplished on the cross.
2: Yeah, it's true. I you know, I mean this is this is why uh you, you know, you'll you'll learn a lot about God and you'll 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 see wonderful things about him reading the Old Testament by yourself. You'll see a whole lot more if if you've got people around you helping you to get insight and helping you to see, you know, what's important, what's, you know, what 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 are the major themes. So it's really important to read the Bible with other people and not just sort of not just sort of dive into it. Um mm-hmm. you'll get a lot, but you'll miss a lot too if if you do that. Um so yeah.
1: And we see this this theme of salvation provided in, in the Old Testament. Uh, That's why so much of the New Testament is, is quoting the Old Testament. It, we need to have the two together. We can't just stake out our claim in the New absolutely. Testament as believers, right?
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, the Old Testament is the Word of God. Um, you know, most I think probably most evangelical Christians in the world think of it as a kind of second-tier Word of God. Um, and some preachers even treat it like that. But it's, it's not. It is the... It, it's what throws the New Testament into full relief. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like it would be like saying, I, you know, I only read the last four chapters of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay, well, you're missing so you're you're not only missing so much of the story, you're missing so much of the meaning of the last four chapters, mm-hmm. right? Um, you, you've got to have you've got to have the rolling tide of the story behind it, so that those last four chapters or whatever have their full meaning in your heart. And if you've not done that, you're selling yourself short.
1: I think that's where most people are hesitant to actually see the full epic story of the Bible is by getting into the Old Testament. We're, we're familiar with the New Testament. We like the epistles. Uh, we like the gospels. Those stories resonate with us. It can be a lot harder to understand the context of where all of that is pulling from the Old Testament in some ways.
2: Yeah, it's true. So you gotta have some good, you gotta have some good guides, you know, mm-hmm. that, that can help you. Uh uh you know, it the, the the uh the discipline that we're talking about here is is biblical theology. So if if you start a, a study of biblical theology, um you're you're gonna find some good guides. Graham Goldsworthy uh is is one really good guide. He's got a, a book called According to Plan that helps you understand the whole story of the, the Bible. This this book that we're talking about, Epic Story. It is biblical theology, that's what it's doing. Um, uh, it's trying to do it in a fun way, you know, with talking about mountains and that sort of thing. But but that's what it's doing. It's trying to teach you to stitch the whole story of the Bible together.
1: We've been talking with Greg Gilbert about his book. It's called The Epic Story of the Bible, How to Read and Understand God's Word. It really does tie in all of those major themes throughout the Bible, from the Old Testament and the New Testament, in a helpful way. that will make things pop off the page as you're reading through scripture. In fact, books like this are helpful for us to to go back to the scripture and read it for ourselves. Uh, This book was written for that, with that in mind, that we're not supposed to rely on what somebody else's interpretation is of the Word of God. But when you see it, and you see it plainly in the Word of God, it starts to come alive. And that's ultimately what we want to do and what Greg is trying to do with his book. A great resource. And I have to tell you, I see a lot of books that attempt to do what Greg is doing in this book that uh, do not do nearly as well of the job as Greg is doing here a uh, resource that we would love to make available to you as a thank you for your support of the Songtime Ministry. And uh, if you know anything about us, uh, just a little word, uh, a little rabbit trail here, a little side note. Uh, we are not a bookstore. We're not here to sell books. That's not our goal. That's not our Uh, Our calling, that's not our mission in life, is to sell more books. Uh, What we want to do is provide you with good resources, and we are very selective of the sort of books and the content that we promote here on the broadcast because we want to give you some holistic resources that will get you into God's Word. Uh, so this is not a this is not a plug. This is not a, an endorsement in order to get some accolades from uh, some books that are being published. In fact, uh, we do not uh, we do not get paid by any of of our vendors or any of the people who do interviews with us. So this is all a free exchange. But we believe in the value of the resources that we promote on the broadcast, and we want to encourage you to grow in grace, so you don't groan in disgrace. As our founder, Dr. John DeBryan, has always said. So uh, get a copy of this book and help uh, see how it can help you in your spiritual growth. That's ultimately our goal, that's our mission. And that, when you support the Songtime Ministry, that is where your donation is going towards promoting the gospel and helping people grow. So if you'd like to find out more information, that was a pretty long rabbit trail. If you'd like to find out more information about Greg Gilbert and his book, The Epic Story of the Bible, please give us a call. It's 508-362-7070, or head over to our website at songtime.com. Well, today, continuing on in our mission, we wanna teach the word of God. We continue our study here in Luke chapter 14. In this message from uh, Alistair Begg, he explains to us the significance of this story that Jesus is calling us to be his disciples, to to deny ourselves, to follow him, uh, to reject all other forms of attachment, and to focus solely on Jesus, to be fully devoted to him. It seems like a very high price to pay, but Jesus doesn't hide his message in the fine print. In fact, it is in seeking the Lord, in putting him first in our lives, that we find the reward of all of these other things. Because we're going to the one who has access to everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is the one who provides us our daily bread. He heals the sick and calms the storm and he provides us all that we need. So there is no one else that is worthy of our affections and worthy of our 100% sold out devotion other than Jesus Christ. And is, this is what we're studying today as we continue our study with Alistair Begg.
0: Under the gaze of the Lord Jesus, he turns to the crowd that is following him, the crowd that is gathered here this evening, and he says, I want you to be perfectly clear about what I'm saying when I talk in terms of discipleship. And that's why he gives these two little pictures of counting the cost. He said, I want you to count the cost. I don't want you just to just wander willy-nilly into my track, get caught up in the thing. Think about it, he said, if one of you was going to build a tower, you'd sit down and do the cost estimates, wouldn't you? Otherwise, you look really dumb when you've only got enough money to build the foundation, and then it just sits there looking ridiculous, and everybody said, he started, but he couldn't finish. Or if you're a king and you're going to war, and you know that the odds are stacked against you, don't you sit down and figure out, is it possible for us to win this war? And if not, shouldn't we take some intervention now, rather than face annihilation then? He said, you understand that kind of thing. He said, well, then, apply the same kind of logic to considering what it means to follow me. Again, how different from the way in which we may be tempted to sweep men and women into the crowd without having them sit and figure the cost. I'm actually quite glad now when people say to me, you know, I'm not going to do that. And when the reason they say I'm not going to do it is because they are actually figuring it out. They know that it means a revolution. They know that it means they're gonna get turned upside down, which is to be turned the right way up. They know that to follow Jesus, to commit to Jesus, will mean saying no to my sin, and frankly, there's certain elements of that that are really quite enjoyable. So the person said, you know, I'm not going to give that up. It's going to mean saying no to myself, and since myself is the most important self of any self in the whole universe, I don't want to do that either. And if I say no to my sin and no to myself, it's going to mean saying no to my secrecy. That means that the people in the office, in the factory, in the lab are going to find out about this, and frankly, I'm not prepared to get out there and live in that bold and obvious way for Jesus. Therefore, I'm not going to do it. Well, that's why Jesus then finishes with a little summary statement concerning salt. How does he get from this to salt? Salt is good, but if it loses, it's saltiness. Well, what he's saying is simply this, that the follower of Jesus is useful when he's marked by self-sacrificing loyalty. But the individual who refuses to follow Jesus in this way is, frankly, of little value. Now, how can sodium chloride cease to taste like sodium chloride? How can salt not be salty? What I discovered in reading around this was that there was within Palestine deposits of impure salt, which were such a mixture of stuff that it was possible—indeed, it was actual—that the sodium chloride would be leached out of the larger impure mass, thus leaving a residue that was useless in its totality—neither fit for fertilizing nor fit for the manure heap, fit only to be chucked out. So Jesus says, Listen, guys, Don't just run in here and start following me. Don't just raise your hand, you know, and say, I'm in. Sit down and think about what I'm saying. I may ask you, he says, to pay the ultimate price, like some of our friends and loved ones are doing in the Sudan tonight. Guys in my position tonight are in jail and are being executed because they are preaching the Bible. So when they read this, they don't think there is any way to soften it up at all, because it is coming knocking at their door. Again, Gildenhuis points out, That we need to remember as well, in relationship to the entreaty of Jesus here, that it's not as if we can become a disciple of Jesus or we can live in a sort of non-discipleship dimension. He says, not to be a disciple of Jesus means to be a disciple of the powers of darkness, and to be a servant of the world. And to be a servant of the world and of sin costs incalculably more than to be a disciple of Jesus. You think it's tough to be a disciple of Jesus? Go ahead and stay as a disciple of sin. There is hell to pay. Not only will it squeeze the very life out of you as you seek to follow down these dead-end streets, but eventually you will spend all of eternity in darkness and in lostness. And still, the invitation of the devil in the large print is, come follow me to life and freedom. And don't let any of these crazy people that are into Jesus and the Bible manage to snare you and trap you into a life of impoverishment and futility and emptiness and dolefulness and dreadful experience. No, come and follow me! Well, some of you have been down there, you know it's a dead-end street. How insignificant! Is the price of self-renunciation in Christ's service in comparison with the price to be paid for rejecting him. It is a big price to accept him. It's a bigger price to reject him.
1: When you consider the message that Jesus preached to his disciples, you can understand how his message was not very attractional. It did not draw people to himself. It, in fact, caused people to leave him, and many of them Uh, leaving disappointed, realizing the price of following Jesus is too high. Reminds me of the story of Gideon, right? The story where he went out to take on the armies, and he had to go down to the water's edge, and anyone who drank uh, with uh, their face in the water, he was told to send home, and and then everyone else that was afraid, he sent them home as well. And what he ended up being left with was 10% of what he started out with. And That doesn't seem like the ideal way to build an army, to train up an army. But what Jesus wants and what Gideon needed, what God was demonstrating to Gideon, is that what we need most in life is not what we bring to the battle, what we bring to the floor, but what Christ is bringing to the floor. This is why we are seeing this real high price, a real high cost, Because ultimately, when Jesus goes to the cross, he will give his entire life for us. He will die in our place. And there is no one that could do what Jesus did. We could not actually die on the cross. So this whole claim to take up our cross, it's, it's so hard for us to even wrap our minds around because our dying on the cross would not amount to the saving work that Jesus accomplished. But by dying on the cross, Jesus is also demonstrating for us how we ought to live. In fact, this is what Paul will pick up in Romans when he says that we are living sacrifices. Dying to ourselves, we become alive to Christ. It is no longer I who live, he says in Galatians, but Christ who lives in me. That means that our lives are his. They've been purchased, bought with a price, a very high price, and therefore we ought to live our lives for his glory. And in that, we also see this call to to set our own lives aside, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and our devotion to him so that we might live in a manner that is worthy of the gospel by which we've been called. This is how we live. In everything that we do, we have the sign of the cross. How does Paul tell husbands to love their wives? That relationship. He says to love them as Christ gave himself for the church. To love your wife as, as the cross, the bearing of that cross, that you would die and lay down your life for her. And wives, the same. How do you love your husband, but, but love him as though you are loving Christ, the one who died for you on the cross? And all of these relationships then are centered around the gospel, that we are to love others, as the gospel is being worked out in our lives, they should be a reflection of all of our relationships. I hope that this encourages you, because one of the things that we want to do is challenge you, equip you, and give you the gospel so that you'll then take that message and share it with others. Because there are people in your life that will never hear uh, the broadcast. They'll never hear me. They'll never hear my voice, but that's okay. They do listen to you, and you have the words of life. Share the gospel with those around you and bless them as we take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. I hope that we've been able to encourage you. And if we have, I hope that you'll let us know. We always love to hear from our listeners. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630. Or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up. On social media But don't forget to tune in again tomorrow We'll continue our study as we wrap up uh, Looking at Luke chapter 14 And the true cost of discipleship But also the glory and the reward That we have in Christ
0: So it is In our seeking to follow Christ For so many when we find That we cannot reach the top With everything that we hold In our hands We let the top go And settle down in the plain
1: on behalf of everyone here at Songtime, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Luke 14, 11. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted.